My guest on this week's episode of Sudden Search is Dan Moore, president of VistaDash. Dan is an extremely popular conference speaker. You may have heard him present at Gary Vaynerchuk's Agent 2021 conference, TED Talks, or as a frequent presenter at automobile conferences like NADA, Digital Dealer, and the Automotive Analytics and Attribution Summit. You've probably heard the phrase before, half of my advertising spend is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. Dan's company helps dealerships find out what's working and maybe more importantly, what isn't. VistaDash is a marketing dashboard for automotive dealerships that combines all the useful data the dealerships need and puts it on one screen. Dan, unsurprisingly, specializes in helping automotive dealerships understand what's happening with their marketing dollars, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and the ugly stuff. I was really excited to have him on so that we could have a beer and nerd out about data and analytics. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Dan Moore. We'll talk about the most common problems dealerships have when collecting their data. We'll chat a little bit about how the chip shortage has made data collection more complicated. And I'll ask him a couple of questions about his book, Do More, Get More. Dan Moore, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I don't know that we've had someone with your perspective on the show before. So I'm really excited to get into the weeds on data with you a little bit, if you're up for it, and uh, start to talk about how we can use it better. So to kind of get us rolling, I had a simple question, I hope. Um, you know, you're working with auto dealerships all the time. What are the, some of the, you know, like when you started an engagement, what are some of the common problems you're seeing in their reporting? What Where are the pain points? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is there's a sometimes misconception in automotive that it's one size fits all. And I think the one thing that we've been able to see is that, um, you know, we've been joking and kind of relating it to biohacking. Everybody's different, right? So how you approach, you know, optimizing your body is much like a dealer. Every dealership is different. Um, so we tackle it kind of in three quadrants, you know, inventory, right? You know, do yeah. you have it? What are you doing with it? Um, marketing, which seems to always take the headshot for things. Um, but what we're finding is, is there's the other piece to it. There's the people in the process behind the marketing. Mm, so right. the question is, where's the friction? And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. You know, when we look at the data is it's not about who you're firing. It's who, how can we help make everybody better? Um, because sometimes it's just a disconnect in, you know, my paid search provider is different than my website provider. My SEO provider is different than my paid search and my website. So how do we start to kind of help the dealer control the narrative to get everything to work together? I love it. Okay. And then there's a lot of stuff on your website. So Google analytics is the tool that we use all the time. I've used it my entire career. I don't know that there's been a day gone by that I haven't logged into analytics at some point. Um, but the tools evolved and changed over time. It has more features and everything like that. I, you know, one of the things I, I, when I was reading on your website, this can be daunting to the dealer principal or to the, to the GM, uh, how to make sense of all this. There's like information overload almost. Uh, one of the real benefits it seems like is that you bring clarity to, to some of that data. How, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So a couple different pieces to that, right? Uh, I mean, we've all grown up, especially in marketing with, with Google analytics, while it's great, uh, there's limitations. So we run into things like, you know, the CRM, third-party lead providers, just getting that full picture. So when we look at one, for the sake of this, we know everybody has reportings from Google analytics to your website provider, to your paid search, everybody has different reporting. So first and foremost, it's standardizing their analytics, creating a clean view, and then feeding that into our platform or just in their analytics in general um, to really kind of standardize the data. First and foremost, you have to standardize, you have to measure by one, one set of metrics, right? One ruler, if you will. If we're using different metrics, we, we, we don't know if it's working or not. We could agree to disagree, right? 
Um, and I so think that happens more thing. than people would think, right, Dan? I mean, that, that, that problem comes up often, right? Well, it's, it's happening in mass because, you know, you have one paid search provider that says, I'm generating you leads, right? right. And it's like VDP views. So those, well, that's not a lead. Um, and then you have another one that's measuring on, hey, we're, we're measuring like chat text form. Like we want to know that it's transacting. So when everybody's on different wavelengths, it's hard for a dealer to really make sense of, well, I don't know if you're killing it or not. So I don't right. know. And that's some of the challenges that I think we face in the industry is the level of confidence and comfort in understanding, uh, are these reports really getting me what I need to know to make the right decisions? And that's really the challenge that's faced. So we just bring it into one single platform, again, in Vista, to really kind of help them make sense and put it in a way that, I mean, I grew up in the dealership. I mean, at 19, I was selling cars. So I take the car, you know, the car guy mindset of just, hey, how do I simplify it and make it into action? Um, and we've been able to do that. I love it. So let's, what are those metrics? I, I can, I can't tell you the number of times uh, I get on a call with a client and they, they really just want to know one thing. Did we help them sell cars or not? I mean, that's right. really it. I, it, it it's really, uh, they, they always want you to just kind of like brass tax it for me. You know, yep. did we sell cars or not? So a lot of times when we're going through these metrics can be annoying or it could seem like we're trying to obfuscate or something like that because Right. We look at a lot of metrics, you know, as marketers, that's really important to us, you know, to, to try and get down to, to brass tacks, what are the handful of metrics that a car dealer needs to look at on a regular basis? What, what are those? Yeah, I kind of say metrics are like the waypoint to the destination. We get hyper-focused yeah. on one metric too often, and we need to understand where, where are we in our destination? So the end result is selling a car. That's the destination, right? So first we have to look at it and say, you know, are we getting people? Are we getting shoppers? So first are we getting traffic to our destination, our website? Second is, is it engaged? Meaning when they come to your website, are they scrolling, are they clicking, are they taking action? We've gotten so hung up in bounce rate that we've forgotten that, again, it's subjective. But when we can start understanding the customer behavior on the website and measuring that, we start to understand engagement. Then we take it a step further and go, well, if I'm driving marketing dollars towards selling cars, shouldn't they be looking at my inventory and shouldn't they be taking virtual test drives and walkarounds on my website? So we want to measure that. And then finally, we want to get into the final part to before it becomes the dealer's problem, if you will, right? Is did we get a chat, a text, a form, a digital retailing? Did something happen that then took that customer and then handed them to the dealership for them to begin their process in managing them. And then once we get that signal, then we look at that from the CRM, right? So what's our close rates? What are we doing? Where are some of the you know frictions we're having with the consumer? Um, and so like I said, it's just that whole kind of stepping point of inventory to the marketing, to the people in the process, then it equals the result. And then from there, you can start measuring that result and how many cars did we sell? What was the cost that we spent with certain providers versus what was our, you know, gross profit by source? And we start to really kind of understand, hey, you know, maybe I'm paying, some people are getting hung up on like, you know, cost per sale. Well, if one's paying $100 and one's paying 500, but the 500 is generating a 20 time result and you're making more than you're paying, do we need to really kind of have an argument about whether that 500 makes sense or not? So there's so many different things, but yet the problem is don't get hung up on one metric. You got to look at the big picture. I love that. Okay, good advice. And and so really, there's there's this opportunistic side to data that we're talking about, which is like we can track a visit to a phone call to a sale. But there's another side of this, which is like there's savings. There's uh, ability to to cut waste out of your out of your marketing spend. So dealers 100%. spend spend a lot of money on 
a bunch of different things. How do you guys, you know, help identify the waste in their program and hopefully save money by, by cutting costs? Yeah. So a few different ways. I mean, first and foremost, you look at what's going on, right? We look at organic, we look at paid, we look at third parties. Um, we try to stack it apple to apple comparison, because again, if you look at some of the metrics out there, we take third parties and they're over here in this bucket getting cannibalized by each other. And then we look at paid search over here and then there's Facebook and then there's SEO, right? And we're not looking at everything collectively. So we're making radical decisions based on, based on feelings more than anything. So we really take a chance to look at, okay, first and foremost, what are you spending in paid search? Great. What are you spending in organic? What are you spending in third parties? Look at some of the return behavior from CRM and from website statistics, and then start backing it down. Meaning, hey, you're spending, you know, 30 grand in paid search. You're spending 500 bucks in organic. You're kind of cannibalizing yourself here. What if we, and again, I always tell dealers, like it's the days of being radical are over, right? It's like a, mm. it's like a drag car. You're looking for shave seconds off. And you do it in just little tweaks yeah. so that you don't destroy your car. And so I'm like, hey, let's let's shave a few thousand dollars off this month and do this and then see what happens. And then as we start to make those, you start to see those things start to Love kind it. of come up like, oh, my organic search is taking a lift. We, we spent less here, but it's lifting. Why? Well, that's the signal that you're cannibalizing. So it's just fine tuning and making adjustments on several different variables. Because again, we take right now. There's a, there's a lot of money to be made. It, it's kind of like a bump your head mentality right now. I'm going to sell cars because there's a shortage. It just is what it is. So uh -huh. how much money do I have to spend and where is it best spent is really kind of more of the strategy. Meaning you don't have to go spend what you were spending. You can drill that back, spend it more intelligently right now because you have that luxury and optimize. I mean, a lot of the things I've been telling dealers right. right now is this is the time where you back it and you focus on your SEO because if you're doing all your work right now and doing all the right things from the organic play, because you're already getting natural shoppers, you don't have to spend what you spent to get attraction. You're not competing for price anymore. You're not, if you have the car, it's sold. It is what it is. So invest in your platform, optimize. And then when this thing turns around, you're going to see that you've accelerated an SEO and then you're complementing a smaller dollar amount while everybody else is trying to bolster a heavy dollar amount. Because that's a long that's, way that's to certainly point music to, that to my ears. Yeah, no, no, that's that's certainly music to my ears. Uh, we're, we're hoping to get get more SEO uh, customers every day. So, uh, I, there's a couple of things that, you've said this a couple of times. The people and the processes. I wanted yeah. to kind of drill in on that. I have a tendency to think of like the dealer principal and the GM. Yeah. Right? Those are the those are the people. That's who I I talk to, and that's who I work with. It, to give some context, there are a lot of people at a dealership who. Who may weigh in there's a marketing person there's a digital marketing person they may have a consultant that comes in and works with you uh you know kind of walk sales through person that who's handling the leads component that you talked about who's involved and what are those yeah so it's a combination of everybody really because yep. whoever touches the customer is part of the people in the process so if you're for example like you know if you're not responding to leads in a fast enough time right? That's the people in the process. If your close rate is, you know, high in one lead provider and low in another lead provider, why? What are you, how are you handling that lead different? I see in third parties, for example, um, you know, we'll, we'll see one like a 15% close rate and the other one's like at 6%. Why? Um, so it's where you have to dig into the people right. in the process and go, what are we doing different? And is this us or is this the product? 
right? And that's where it becomes part of the people and process. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just the dealer principal. It's more, it's really everybody that touches the consumer and touches the process in that dealership that has to weigh in. Love that. All right. Um, and the other thing you brought up was the chip shortage that will never end. It seems, um, this is like, in, for people who aren't in automotive watching, this is an environment where no one has inventory. There's uh, there's just this weird thing going on where car dealers don't have cars. So I think that interpreting data in this environment could be challenging. I'm used to comparing date ranges. Like, you know, we're filming right. in March. I compare March to March, 2021, you know, like how are we doing? that whole thing is out of whack because the ecosystem has this weird anomaly with no inventory. Right. So what advice do you have for anyone? Yeah. Yeah. What advice do you have for anyone listening to better interpret that data? Yeah. So you have to be, again, you have to take those things into consideration. So spot on with that one, you know, you've got the, the pan, you've got pandemic in 2020, 2021, you move into supply chain issues. Um, You know, 2022, we're going to probably see another shift of something, Uh, It's just inevitable. So you really have to start looking at the data and go, okay, I can look at year over year as far as like, hey, how are we doing overall? But I'm not going to bank my, you know, my life savings on it. I'm just going to look at it from a, from a comparison standpoint, because I'm I'm pretty sure everybody has. And they're like, well, my gross profit is up by, right. Because it's just the nature of the beast right now. Your volume's down, your gross profit's up. Great. So we're going to see this kind of ebb and flow. I always say, look at it a month over month just to kind of see some of the signals. What are my visitors doing, right? Where are my VDP views? And again, I'm just looking for signals. I'm not going, oh my God, if it's in the dirt, I'm freaking out, cancel everybody, pause everything, the world's on fire. I'm not saying that. We're just looking at signals. Is there something that's giving me a pattern that I need to start thinking about? And then I look at my business. For example, right now, you have dealers that, some dealers that don't have inventory and that have pre-sold everything months back. So as far as new cars go, there's nothing left to do short of just wait. Uh, and so they're trying to figure out new ways and new things to do. So, you know, from used car acquisition to, you know, stocking more used cars to, you know, trying to figure out what to market for new right now. I mean, there's a lot of complexities, but again, you just got to take the data right now, look at it month over month and start figuring out how you want to transact and how you want to transition as, as things are coming, because you know, what's coming in flight. So, you're thinking, hey, three months from now, based on what I have in coming, this is where I'm going to be. Great. What do I need to do to keep this momentum going? Can I control this right now? Or am I still being controlled by the market? And that's all you can do right now. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, awesome. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, you work with so many dealerships and you have years of data now. So you have access to just about as much data as I can imagine anybody has. And there's got to be one or two or three things that you see marketing mistakes, marketing fails, right? So things that dealers are doing over and over again that are wrong. What are those common marketing fails that you see over and over again? Yeah. So the biggest one I see is kind of, I call it the um, operational inefficiency. So basically we're spending a lot of money at marketing because we're not willing to face our operational inefficiency, which means we're not willing to address our people and process. We're not willing to train up get people dialed in on how to work with the Mm. client, right? So working the phone, working the email, seeing the trends, you have some small percentage of dealers moving to like, Hey, we're getting rid of forms and going to text only. And there's a lot of people are going, I can never do that. Why? So you're, you're already admitting that you don't want to take on this operational move because of what? So I think the biggest thing I see is, well, we'll just throw money at it. If we get more leads, it'll make up for the difference. 
And unfortunately, that's we, we can't right. do that because you only have so much inventory. So you can have all the leads you want and spend all the money, but if you don't have the commodity to respond to it, you're basically just burning capital. Yeah. That's the biggest. I, I wonder, the other one that I thought of, yeah, <laughs> the other one I thought of was you know, under investing in fixed stops, that, that this is a big part of a car dealer is that they have yep. an auto repair, they do mufflers and, and oil changes and everything else. And this is like what pays the bills for these places, but they don't invest a lot of marketing dollars in their fixed stops. Do you, do you find that to be true in, in the dealerships you work with? Um, yes. So fixed stops generally either a rides the coattail and wins off some of the sales paid search, because again, some people do a little bit more of a cookie cutter job. So service luckily benefits from that, from the awareness and paid search. Um, but the fundamental problem is nobody really invests in organic, right? Really driving that organic relevance, except for the um, independents. So like right. your Jiffy Lubes and so on, they do a great job from an optimization standpoint, page content, right. uh, et cetera. But here's the other kicker. If we didn't sell the amount of cars that we were supposed to last year and the year before that, are we addressing the fact that our warranty work could see a massive decline this year? And what are we doing to attack those independent shops to win that business back over? Because we're going to need it because we don't have the warranty work slated on because we didn't sell the number of cars we needed. So yes, fixed ops is a big, big opportunity. I'm not going to call it a miss. I'm going to call it a huge opportunity um, that we need to all jump in on. And I, I think, you know, what you guys are doing, and I mean, Gifford, obviously, I've known Gifford forever. We've been at some 20 groups and had these conversations. So I know from where you guys are at Search Labs, you guys are thinking about it and pushing hard on it, which I applaud you. But I think, again, you're 100% right on. We have to do more with fixed ops because it's the piece that holds everything together. Um, and then, you know, with the concerns of EV and some of the, you know, service or therefore lack of service elements that will be needed, getting ahead of some of these forefronts and already starting to lay down that work too. I mean, you guys know this from an organic play. If you guys can start building content now around EV before it gets hot and get it picked up and build some relevance and some ranking to it, those dealers are going to win. Yeah. 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 No doubt. So, all right. Well, I want to shift gears uh, abruptly to something you've done. You, you've written a book. It's titled Do More, Get More. Uh, the first more is spelled like your last name. Uh, tell our audience about the book. And you're a busy guy. How'd you find time to write a book? Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, totally my non-automotive spinoff. Um, it was one of those things of just kind of like, I call it the give back mentality. Like, hey, we've all had our trials and tribulations. Some are greater than others. Um, mine just come from a mindset of like self-awareness and, and really understanding Hey, at the end of the day, it's you against you, you know, from a competitive mindset, from just what you want to accomplish in life. There's no excuse other than the one you give yourself in the mirror every morning as to why you're not going to get something done. Um, so that was kind of the basis of the book. So it was kind of a good, hey, if I can help one person, great. Uh, a little bit of legacy, you know, I have three daughters. So, hey, here's your dad summed up in a book. Um, I think that kind of helps things out. And, and then more importantly, as a introvert, um, what better way to kind of, you know, when, when I tell my daughters dare to be uncomfortable, what way to totally be uncomfortable by putting everything in writing and putting it out there and you can't take it back. Um, so that was, you know, the three prong challenge to the book. Uh, but it's been, uh, I mean, it's been well received. Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I get texts and calls and people say, man, that, that, that was the right time. Uh, you really made a difference. So it, it's just exciting. Cause I mean, 
you're not going to get rich writing a book. There's, if anybody thinks that that's the case, it's just a, it's just a thing that you kind of put in your belt that kind of builds your, uh, your resume, if you will, of life. Love it. Um, well, listen, I gotta, I gotta go to everyone's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guest, but he gives me no context. So it'll usually be like one or two words and it's a bit of a high wire act for both of us. So for Dan Moore, he has Disney. I'm to ask you about Disney. Does that ring a bell at all? Oh, Disney rings a lot of bells because yes, uh, Gifford and I share a huge love of Disney. My family is Disney crazy, I guess you'd say. It's, we spend it. a lot of time. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time in, in the land of Disney. Um, also with that too, I mean, there's just some great tiebacks. My wife's grandpa worked for uh, Lucas on his ranch, was his personal carpenter. So we have tons of Star Wars um, stuff throughout the house. I'm a big Star Wars guy. So yes, there's a there's a whole turning circle of that. And yes, when Gifford and I get together, we geek out a little bit on some of our journeys that we've been able to do um, through Disney. Yeah. Yeah, Disney, Star Wars. I can see why you and Greg are friends. That makes perfect sense. Um, well, listen, Dan, if, if people want to connect with you uh, and they want to learn more about you and your company, I think it's a, a fascinating perspective for our audience. But What's the best way to connect with you? What's your favorite social media? Um, you can connect to any Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on just about everything. Uh, feel free to DM me or you can email me at dan at vistadash.com. Uh, I'm always here to help. Uh, again, you know, it's one of those things of our job is to help. Um, if something happens after that, great, but you got to give to get. I love it. All right. Well, Dan, you're, uh, I'm very impressed with what you guys have at Vista Dash and you're a really fun person to have a beer with. I'm going to sign off for now, give you a virtual cheers, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Suds and Search. 